so good morning uh, actually this this topic has been suggested also uh, depression is n- never a very good thing to speak about <laughs> but yeah it's 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 uh, happening not only today uh, for last uh, maybe a few decades as the pace of life has picked up some people seem to be falling out of the stream and they don't know where to go they have a choice either to keep pacing up their speed or else they begin to fall out and find ways and means tracks lanes by lanes and uh, this and a variety of other reasons uh, depression is one of the commonest problems just to give an indication in um, uh, from a medical point of view it has been known that almost uh, 40% of illnesses uh, they have a presentation in various ways but there is an undercurrent of depression sometimes they present in uh, uh, you know through purely physical symptoms and doctors uh, keep treating the physical symptoms where there is an undercurrent of depression uh, even we can take the current um, crisis of the virus so now people are beginning to think about immunity but immune system is so um, so much responsive to our inner state that there are number of studies which shows that depression depresses the immune system whereas a state which is cheerful and healthy it actually upgrades the immune system mother spoke about it when she said that you know if you are in a state of cheerfulness if you are in a state of balance equanimity then you you are as if surrounded by a, a suraksha chakra you know there is an envelope which surrounds you and nothing can penetrate nothing can touch so depression has very far reaching uh, dimensions it's not just about feeling depressed and crying it's it's it has many many aspects and levels to it and we'll just touch upon some of the aspects uh, maybe then invite some questions so the first thing that uh, i i wish to share is that this idea that we used to look at life only from a unitary point of view in the sense on a singular single level um we should come out of that it's still a kind of mindset which uh, for example when i see this uh, constant tendency these are virus these are virus these are virus now virus is a physical entity but are there forces and uh, things behind the virus now we look at the world purely from a material point of view but there are aspects of creations of which at this point we have no clue but those who explore the um, subjective spaces and other worlds as it is uh, called in spiritual um, parlance they become aware that behind the material material is only a vehicle it's like you know when um, there is an accident so somebody says that the uh, you know car dashed into a person this is one we are saying but is it the car or is it the driver or is it that you know the brake failed is it that the mechanism failed so physical is only one dimension there are many dimensions of our existence over which we have to understand life understand creation understand illnesses health relationships the way we deal with the world and world itself so focusing on to depression now there is no doubt a physical element to depression and in physical itself there are two aspects to it one is uh, something which we are born with you know uh, we are born with a certain kind of heredity makeup and it has its own uh, role to play because everything upon earth takes a material basis so uh, it's important like you know if the computer system is uh, the hardware is not good it may not support a advanced software so uh, if the physical basis from birth itself there is a heredity issue so very often when people talk about only spirituality they ignore that there is a physical dimension to things so there is an element of heredity uh, which determines uh, some of our uh, well constitution outer constitution and there is also an element of early upbringing and environment the way we are brought up say a child who has been brought up with this idea that uh, you are a failure you are useless you are no good 
he it's like a mantra you know we don't realize the, we talk about mantra but in a of course mantra is a very positive thing but this is the positive mantra where we say that you know everything is wonderful everything is good it's divine and one invokes the light and peace but there is another side you know it's it's like a dark mantra what is called as a uh, black mass where we invoke unwittingly all the very opposite things say when someone says that uh, you are a useless person now the person has said and gone away or someone has shouted at us or demeaned us uh, um, criticized now the person has said and gone away gone away to other things but what is happening inside our brain there is a mirroring going on and we are repeating it ad infinitum we are uh, we have picked up as i said like a negative mantra it has a power words have power it's not just that the exalted words have power even the most uh, seemingly insignificant words let me give an example when we meet and greet people we say good morning and you know have a beautiful day uh, have you noticed when someone meets you in the morning and suddenly says are you all right you don't look fine may have said out of goodwill <laughs> ignorant goodwill but see what happens whole day you are not satisfied and comfortable till you have met someone so the most in seemingly insignificant events uh, now we are primed to that from childhood as you can see that there is there are even some attitudes approaches all this we pick up from environment unfortunately we pick up a lot of uh, atavistic behavior from our parents you see uh, parents put in lot of ambition they put the child on to a uh you know a line which is not meant to be so many such things from the environment have an impact for paucity of time we'll uh, not linger more then there are apart from this aspect of the physical constitution there is another dimension of the physical uh, which uh, we all have noticed probably uh, if we are hungry or if we have high fever now how easy or how difficult it is to really Uh, maintain a beautiful inner state i am not talking of expert yogis who have practiced who can separate the mind from their body and it's perfectly fine but in normally ordinarily we slowly become more and more fatigued we become irritable you know children for example a lot of irritability comes just because they are hungry and grown ups are also hungry they are not hungry necessarily always for food they are hungry for other things it's a very unfortunate thing but well this hunger this uh, leads to a kind of irritability so at a physical level most physical level fatigue we don't realize sometimes we go on overdrive and we are fatiguing not allowing enough time enough sleep enough rest to uh, rejuvenate our nerves now nervous system is very very sensitive it is the watershed area between the physical and the other worlds and if the nervous system gets fatigued now fatigue is not just physical activity uh, listen to a kind of music and you will feel that the nerves are getting jacked they are getting uh, hit hard because the nerves are the first conduits through which any information is entering us anything if the nervous system is not there if we are in a state of coma no information is entering us at least not directly through the body there are other ways but that's a different story so if the nervous system is frayed either because of uh, you know um, uh, physical fatigue or even psychological fatigue so there is a tendency for depression to get into the system because now what happens to a fatigued person you must have seen the police people during the initial covid crisis um, they were very alert hyper alert so <laughs> if you just ventured here there they immediately catch you find you over a period of time it was just a question of time that people will get fatigued so they were getting fatigued so all that began to slow down that's why in the battle area you where there is actually a confrontational battle you don't keep people for very long you have to change it so what happens something similar with human beings when the nerves are fatigued their barriers are shut down and like you know anything can enter they are not in a state to really 
register stop this suggestion that suggestion um, i mean when people are uh, very sometimes you know when very fatigued and they lie down uh, if they have not gone off to sleep it's not a good thing to sleep in a state of fatigue because you have opened yourself to all kinds of forces there must be a little bit of rejuvenation in whatever way before we sleep because during that time if you slip into sleep the nervous system will be open and accessible to all kinds of things from the subconscious terrains and many others so it's very important that there is a physical component the diet we eat the sleep exercise work uh, work exercise balance and um, fatigue that's a very important aspect but physical is one part of it it's important at our level but there are other dimensions as i said and the next dimension is psychological even when there is fatigue even when the body is uh, you know one is uh, born with uh, uh, let's say a weak constitution certain attitudes can overrun because there is uh, the possibility of the mind actually not being a slave of matter but being able to master matter now as human beings develop up the scale the mind does tend to override uh, all our material state physical condition and uh, i often quote this famous story which the mother recounted about queen elizabeth 1 that she was on deathbed and her uh, people the subjects they had come uh, crying for bread and the ministers would uh, not want her to meet them because uh, you know uh, <laughs> they had their own game plan uh, so she says no no she heard their cries you know because they had get out the palace she said no no i want to meet them and then they advised but queen you may die and she says but death can wait now you know this uh, ability of the mind to go override our material conditions this is one of the things that yoga teaches us this is one of the thing which can be practiced in life there are some people who are like that this is one of the things that we are trained to trained for during times of stress and training you see there is a term called as eu stress eu not european union but uh, good stress so very often people want uh, to be always in comfort zone so they don't take a certain degree of stress now when you don't take a certain degree of stress your ability to let your mind capacities bloom uh tends to become diminished and diminished like uh, you know too much technological advancement can lead to biological amputation so something similar happens so you stress now all training is essentially a you stress you know when when soldiers are trained now they are trained so that they can in in real battle uh, they are uh, you know able to take all that rigors simply because they have been trained like that they can uh, let their body be overridden by the overpowering uh, powers of the mind just recent incidents can you imagine sub zero temperatures people are uh, you know we have uh, 10 degrees and people are looking for uh, where is the ac remote and let me be in my comfort zone so it's good in life to uh, learn to practice endurance people who lack endurance people who lack patience are very very prone to stress and depression patience is such a quality now that is something which uh, in a very fast track life we tend to miss because we want to reach everything is fast from fast food to <laughs> reach the office fast fast success quick success uh, in the process we don't learn patience unless we get married or have children now we can't uh, deal with life without patience <laughs> so husbands and wife uh, come to teach the other one patience <laughs> when they don't learn then you have a child child will surely teach you patience infinite patience okay because with friends we can be cross and just go away when we are not happy but what do you do with children now i am not suggesting marriage as a solution to stress <laughs> it may be a cause <laughs> i am just saying that there are infinite opportunities in life to learn patience and endurance i am reminded of a story of one famous revolutionary you must have heard the name of sukhdev bhagat singh rajguru we grew up with those names so sukhdev was one of them you know three persons who was hanged so i read a very interesting um, Uh, account of his uh, as a young child had read it and it perplexed me so this uh, sukhdev was going in a train and uh, some english uh, soldiers british soldiers suddenly for whatever reason i mean there was no reason really they beat him up and he kept taking the beating 
Now when I read that story, I said, what is this? He should have just, you know, <laughs> he says, revolutionary, what kind of revolutionary is he? What is he doing? And then I had to just wait for a few pages when he was asked that, why did you accept it? He said, I know that one day when they will catch me, they are going to uh, do much worse. So I am going to fight this battle. I must practice endurance. This word stuck to my mind. And later on, is a similar story. Uh, there was a ship actually with this name Endurance. I don't know whether we have heard about this story or not. This is one venture which failed and succeeded. So this was a ship which was sailing all the way to uh, Antarctica. Um, nobody had really reached there. Now you have all the facilities. And uh, they took an expedition under uh, this famous commander called Shackleton. Now it so happened and the ship was named Endurance, uh, maybe because of this commander's grandmother or whatever. So, but anyways, as the ship went close by, it hit a rock and it hit, it hit a huge iceberg and the ship literally cracked. So they had to jump off and all the people who were going and the dogs and everything, they brought on a, you know, piece of uh, ice glacier which also over a period of time it's not it cannot take uh, so many people so all these issues were going on they have limited supply of food uh, canned food and everything and uh, one story which was very amazing because he said you know you have to throw away the baggage now this is very psychologically interesting that uh, endurance doesn't mean all kinds of uh, things on our head there are things we can throw away we just keep them unnecessarily you know, somebody has told me something and whole day I am brooding. I don't need to. You know, when someone asked me a few days back that, you know, so and so told me and I am not feeling good since then. So I said, did you do a mistake or did he do a mistake? No, no, I didn't do any mistake. So I said, why you are brooding and suffering? That person should suffer if at all. Why are you suffering? We don't need to suffer if we have not done that. But we should... Look inside and see whether we, we were wrong. If we were wrong, yes, we should correct it. Then also we should not suffer. But somebody else has done, you believe that, you know, you were wrongly um, insulted. It's okay now that it's that person who should have a sleepless night. <laughs> you should. Uh, so, so this man, you know, wanted things to be thrown away. And one of the things uh, those days uh, they held very precious was the Bible. Shackleton himself was a great believer in God. So, now, he wants to set an example. So, he's throwing away everything and then he takes out the Bible. Now, people, don't throw away the Bible. He tore away a page and threw away the Bible and kept that page with him. So, people wondered, he said, see, this is the one which is most important for me at this point of time. Now, Bible is inside me. I don't want to carry. Now, this is so symbolic. It's like we carry the weight of so many things. Our religion, for instance, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Whereas the core of religion is spirituality. Burn that flame inside. All the rest is, you know, this custom, that custom, what the mother-in-law said and what the daughter-in-law did. God is core of religion. It's an upward ascension to the divine. It's a flame. It's love. It's light. Truth. Keep it. It's not there in a book. Book is important and wonderful. But uh, to keep that core. So, you know, that way we can shed. Like, for instance, in a relationship, when somebody is gone, this, this life event, and people carry a huge burden on their head. Well, keep the most beautiful aspect of the relationship. That's how we should be. So, he disposes everything. Anyways, to cut a long story short, um, almost after a an year and a half or two years, they could finally get back because they had no way of going back. No communication, nothing. And they are just waiting for somebody to hear something and uh, all kinds of adventures, how they manage to eat, all this goes on. And eventually, of course, they, you know, manage to... Now, the beauty of that misadventure was it failed because they could never reach Antarctica. But it succeeded. Not a single life was lost. Now, you can imagine. So, people say that, you know, if you ever take a journey, there should be a commander like Shackleton. And what was beauty was that endurance and the presence of mind. He never let go of, he never accepted failure. I think one of the big problems of our, of our life is, even before we have started, see this attitude. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> one wicket down. <laughs> 
you know, man is meant to dare the impossible. If you can't do an impossible, but you have tried it, you have already succeeded. But you have, if you have not taken the challenge of life, you know, there is a beautiful line in Savitri, man can accept, he can refuse his fate. Even though the unseen maintains the decree, maybe he refuses the fate and yet you have to meet the same thing. Thy refusal is written in thy credit page. He refused. Still destiny, whatever way it, it set the ball ro- rolling and let's say somebody, you know, uh, fights a battle and one doesn't fight a battle saying, I want to be a martyr. No. And yet he becomes a martyr. But he has fought the battle. So he writes thy refusal in his credit page. For doom is not a close, a mystic seal, arisen from the tragic class of life. The spirit rises mightier with each defeat. Its godlike wings grow wide with every fall. So each time we try and fail, we have actually gone one step closer to success than not trying. You see the famous Wright brothers and Leonardo da Vinci's conception. Now these are attitudes which must be developed. Now there are plenty of them. Endurance is one. The, uh, to take the challenge of life needs courage. And somebody, you know, at one place, Shurabindu speaks of these two things which are indispensable in, to human beings. He says, faith and courage are the only two virtues. They can save the soul alive. Everything else is collapsed or is collapsing. But if we have faith and if we have courage, they can bring up a whole empire again. You know, there are countless stories stories of Mahabharata. I mean, one of the greatest lessons, there are plenty of lessons, is, you know, look at the Pandavas. Khandavprast, which is nothing but a jungle with terrorists and snakes and everything. They change it into Indraprast. That is snatched away. But they don't give up. Look at the story of, you know, again, Savitri, Satyavan. This ability to take the challenge of life comes from faith and courage. So, faith is something we should cultivate, courage. How to cultivate these things? They are very beautiful things. Well, be in the company of those who have it to start with. It's so important to understand the company we keep. We, you know, we don't realize, uh, for example, you know, people, this marriage, that relative, they don't realize the disastrous influence it can have. We should choose our family, our friends, our relatives, the places we want to go because that's part of our choice. So there are people whose company can depress you within a few moments and vice versa. So keep the company of those who give courage and faith if we don't have or better still ask from the divine, the universal source or read stories, not or and stroke or. (laughs) Read stories of courage. I mean, there is a very beautiful poem of Sri Aurobindo, Baji Prabhu. Now, uh, just on a personal note, I had once very severe, uh, you know, gastroenteritis, vomiting and diarrhea and uh, pulse collapsing. I had actually collapsed and uh, gone to the hospital and uh, the drip had started. So, a good friend, another doctor friend came, said, anything you need, uh, Alok Bhai, anything we can do for you? I said, yes, please take out your windows, Baji Prabhu, (laughs) and read it. I am telling you, it can breathe life into a near dead person. <laughs> Within half an hour, I was all up about sitting. It's such a tremendous energy. There is this uh, warrior, Baji Prabhu, who is facing imminent death. 50 Maratha soldiers facing 10,000 strong army of Pathans, Mughals. Uh, Rajputs and uh, Afghans, you can't imagine, you know. It's an impossible fight. And he fights, and he fights till the last breath, and he falls, and he wins. He, he fell, he died, and you know, Shivan Shivindra describes all the goddess came over him till his last breath he fights. But as he falls, Shivaji comes with the infantry and the guns booming, and uh, ultimately the enemy can't succeed. You see, Tawang battle where two men, one lady, local, and one soldier, they kept a whole Chinese army back. People are now, you know, talking about Chinese. 
people don't know what extraordinary courage comes out during these times read these stories they are readily available they are all over now we have beautiful you know internet and everything so when you read a story of abhiman you see i mean somebody was asking what is the difference between kirti and yash yash can come its fame but kirti comes only for a someone like abhimanyu you know when you think about a warrior he is immortalized so read these stories of courage faith endurance so they make us uh, realize that really we can dare the impossible otherwise we are surrounded in life with people who keep on telling us oh don't try this oh don't do this so oh, this will happen that will happen now it's like you know yesterday some whatsapp message virus is happening virus so many people will uh, suffer illness and die i said for god's sake you are inviting him anyways it will come when it comes but don't invite him for god's sake you know by constant fear first you are depressing your immune system which is what is going to fight the virus not mask and uh, police this is absurdity your immune system if you are afraid and depressed you can't fight life and death are an aspect of life this is something not new and one must face it well it's a challenge of life you live or die but <laughs> don't die a depressed person so this is uh, this an attitude now these attitudes develop there are many others uh, some are more deeply yogic like for instance uh, equanimity comes through yoga uh, samatva yoga uchchate so yoga is uh, you know uh, teaches us that these things which we value so much hani sitoshna sukh dukheshu hani labh ho jaya jao at the end they are nothing they are a play you lose a battle sometimes you win a battle same with the battle of life you rise from the pyre you wake from the grave and you take the battle challenge again so it's so beautiful you know this idea of rebirth i find fascinating means endless journey it means death is not a finish so if i must fall i must fall gracefully with all the courage in my heart faith not like oh my god i am dying oh please this this is not our manhood so equanimity that comes through practice of yoga life of lord rama teaches us equanimity life of the sikh gurus teaches us equanimity life i mean so many mystics sharmad being beheaded and you know he can uh, still remember god i mean amazing what degree extent to which uh, our psychological attitudes can take us where the uh, death becomes unreal like bhule shah तेरी तलवार के नीचे में नचियां करके चाहिया चाहिया राइट सो एनीवेज अगेन दिस जेनरोसिटी पीपल आर वांटिंग वांटिंग सो दे कीप व्हेन यू वांट द बिग प्रॉब्लम इज यू कांट लेट गो बिकॉज़ यू होल्ड एवरीथिंग दैट यू गेट इंक्लूडिंग ग्रज सो पीपल बिगिन टू सफर फ्रॉम वेल नोन डिजीज कॉल्ड ग्रजाइटिस एंड ग्रजाइटिस लीड्स टू ऑल काइंड्स ऑफ प्रॉब्लम दी सॉल्यूशन remedy to gratitude is generosity be generous what is there you know life is too brief to carry all kinds of things in the heart and carry till the grave we should carry beautiful things not these so things which are see imagine even in a house if you see kachra inside you know muck do you want to keep it you want to throw it out no not in another neighbor's compound which is what we have been doing <laughs> in proper disposable bags <laughs> but why do we keep this kachra jealousies and hatred i mean it's a, it's worse because this is only harmful to the eye but uh, jealousies and hate are harmful to our inner being our inner health if for for nobody's sake for our own sake we should throw them out as i said why keep uh, you know rotten food and rotten things all around for our own sake it's for our own, own health we think that by getting angry we are punishing somebody no we are punishing ourselves leave it leave it to the cosmic wisdom what will happen in in whatever way i mean this idea of punishment itself is so foolish because if if really justice came down upon earth all of us will be punished without a doubt <laughs> who can say that one has never done any wrong so leave it to grace so this generosity uh, nobility a more satvic temperament as it is called called in yoga a balance of life all this helps us to cleanse ourselves and then of course there are a host of practices people engage in which i am sure there will be number of sessions on imagery and other things where you actually imagine that you are washing away this muck doesn't matter any which way you can devise your own way <laughs> so uh, uh, you know improvise it but 
the important aspect is don't keep these things morning we take a bath uh, outwardly but we don't take a bath inwardly swami vivekananda said beautifully every day we should give bath to the body and the soul but if you don't have time for both give bath to the soul <laughs> that's important you'll be happy so cheerfulness wonderful attitude and cheerfulness comes with a good sense of humor people who don't have a sense of humor Uh, they may say i am doing very serious sadhana but it's very suspect you know i have actually met someone <laughs> and i had a very interesting reply from another very senior uh, long time ashram inmate so he had come visiting and uh, this man who had come visiting from the ashram had parkinson's all trembling and there is another man he says you know when we do sadhana don't we become serious he said no you become more and more like a child full of wonder and delight he said no but if you are doing serious sadhana he said then you will have even more delight so this man who was accomplished in life healthy is uh, talking to a man who is having parkinsonism and he is speaking of delight so you see this uh, cheerfulness which is shobindu speaks of the salt of existence sense of humor is gone then i think uh, something is grossly missing one of the earliest signs that um, something is wrong is the sense of humor the cheerfulness over a small little thing you one becomes irritable you know even a little joke one cannot take so this is uh, one aspect of it then uh, apart from the psychological causes as i said which are very many many aspects of it there are occult causes and occult causes is something like uh, there is a play of forces we know that behind every material object there are material forces so behind all psychological movements and even behind material movement there are psychological fo- there are occult forces forces which we don't see but just because we don't see doesn't mean they don't exist none of us has seen the virus except the virologist but we trust that the virus exists everywhere but none of us has seen god except the mystics but we say god doesn't exist everywhere now that's well uh, a question of our belief <laughs> when people say oh, virus is everywhere i said yes god is also everywhere <laughs> virus will spread like a contagion well my cheerful state can also spread like a contagion someone asked me once in the beginning very beginning i said see Uh, it's not that but uh, you are spreading fear i want to spread faith that's all it's it's perfectly fine valid to each his own so the the point that i am trying to say is that fear for example it's a fear anxiety nervousness agitation depression of an abnormal kind where you just feel that life is hopeless the last thing to go in human life is hope and the first thing the thing that should be always kept alive even if will is not operating will is a tremendous we are given all these resources will is something so tremendous we should develop it every uh, life gives us 100 opportunities to develop the will every day we lose it will is a great power faith is a tremendous power courage is a tremendous power but if all these are yet you know they have sunk keep the hope alive hope is the last power if hope goes then it's like all darkness so one must work you know when you are dealing with people who are in that state uh, one you know even it's said that about people who are suicidal you know when they say that um, you know will this fan take this weight i recently also i was hearing about this recent suicide there are indications which are given now these indications means somebody please give me hope they basically it's a warped way of communicating that i am in great distress and i want hope so hope is something which, which must always keep alive then but these forces cover up hope how they cover up by showing only a dismal uh, you know it's night see everywhere there is night now a person who is balanced will say yes it's night but dawn is also going to come it's the way you look at it night means tomorrow i have a new dawn i have a new possibility i'll wake up fresh good start jump start to the day but there is another way oh all the good things have gone it's night it's dark so this perspective we must keep because our psychological state opens to these forces and of course in yoga they are called hostile forces and adverse forces but their role is tremendous and what is the power that they cannot really touch the power that changes them now that power 
is what is missing in the, very much in today's times age of competition aggression ambition and lust all the doors to open to these forces but there is one power which can counter them and that is called love you know even i am talking of human love divine love can completely change them but love even human love you know mother's love for children is such a safeguard i have often wondered when infants are born you know life is so precarious they don't realize it <laughs> from the womb till you are some age because you have no sense perception you don't know what is harmful you don't know what is dangerous but mother's love safeguards them so this this love even at a very outer level people will not take an extreme step if they love someone but extreme steps literally mean that you know all the candle of love has extinguished you know this is called deficiency of vitamin l serious problem in <laughs> civilizational disease i call it so how to get this vitamin doesn't come with money people believe that it comes with money throw money you will get love absurd what you will get is a show of love which is more dangerous <laughs> love has to be genuine otherwise there is there is nothing like true love false love there is either love or there is a show or sham or whatever so the way to get love is not to want it but to give it and love anything you can love you know the plants they are wonderful creatures they absorb your love give bloom in return you will begin to understand their language when you come out and greet them good morning and you'll feel that they have gently quivering give love to animals nowadays it's uh, therapy keep a pet why because husbands are outdated so <laughs> keep a pet it's so wonderful he will not do anything he will you know he will at least uh, thank you for giving food husband will point out namak kam tha 100 days it's fine but one day <laughs> Vice versa, also to be fair, <laughs> but <laughs> but keep a pet. Pet is uh, will always they return abundant love. You know, sometimes I just wonder the amazing ability of pets to love, especially of dogs. Some variety of dogs, they just just give love like anything. So if you have nobody else, don't feel lonely. Adopt a pet if nothing else. will keep you going <laughs> and elephants their ability to love some of these higher horses are known to sacrifice their life for the sake of i mean that is something we need to learn from animals faithfulness and love you won't find it in human beings because with human beings the mind comes mind starts calculating should i love or should i not love mera kya fayda hoga now that, that's not love calculation so inculcate love and the highest love of course source of love is the divine himself that's why those who have bhakti those who love the divine are never deficient of this most fundamental vitamin because uh, you love the divine one drop he puts in cascades like mahaganga <laughs> then you realize even that one drop actually he was pouring the cascade <laughs> you know what happens when the mahaganga falls and few drops come up because of the impact so bhakti is like that somebody asked uh, once that why does the divine wants us to have bhakti for him i said divine doesn't want he doesn't care to hoots about your bhakti but he pours so much love that some people receive it and in them it goes up like bhakti <laughs> bhakti is human response to divine love which has been in creation since uh, ages so have love in the heart there is no greater force than that and then finally of course at the end spiritual causes so the reason why ultimately we go into depression is because we become very self centered uh, we are not really doing what we are meant to do each of us is meant to be an expression of uh, something divine uh, there is a divine script within us but this script gets distorted because a virus enters our system the virus enters from various sources sorry to say parents you must do this you must become this you must become the fulfillment of my desires and ambitions so virus has already entered the system 
Then he goes to school. There a super bug is waiting for you. Which is called performance and marks. Then you go into society. It's totally bugged. You are judged by the dress you wear. You remember George Bernard Shaw going to a party called, invited by someone, big lady. And he said, see, I am not very fond of partying. I have my own party in the realm of ideas. No, no, you please come. But at the end, she cautioned him, but see, you know, please wear a proper dress, you know, come suited. So he goes in a suit and ice cream, he starts putting it on his coat. He said, sir, what are you doing? That's not how you eat ice cream. I said, I thought this is the way you eat in this party where, you know, the dress is valued more than the person. <laughs> so, society is super bugged. You are judged by very, very external things. If you are going to be driven by what society thinks of you, you will be perpetually depressed. So, please change the word social distancing to physical distancing, for God's sake. If you start doing social distancing, life is going to collapse already, you know. There is enough distancing based on what dress somebody is wearing, how much, how big a purse one is carrying in the wallet and, you know, what is the card, uh, visiting card people give first. So, I have a habit, I don't carry a visiting card, uh, never made one. And if somebody sends a visiting card, I quietly turn it upside down and I meet the person. I want to meet a human being, living human being, not a card. So please, if, if we are choosing to be driven by social habits and norms and whatever it is called, then we won't discover ourselves. Take the courage, leap of courage to find who we are and what we are. I am not saying become asocial or antisocial, but become super social. In the sense, interact with the world in the true way, not in the egoistic way. Where we are just flattering each other or criticizing each other. See what happened to this uh, actor. Boycotted, ostracized, of course. Why did he allow himself to be a victim of uh, societal pressure? That's the other part. But it's unfortunate. That's how it is. Some people are pushed. Uh, some are pushed out of the race. doesn't matter. Don't care about what people are saying and society thinks of you. Uh, would you value the opinions of ignorance? The only opinion which is worth is, is that of truth. But beauty is truth has no opinion. It doesn't judge. It simply sees and shows and helps. So these are some of the things, um, as I said, it's a vast subject. Uh, most importantly, spiritually, open to vastnesses. Uh, the more we shrink, the less uh, delight we experience, which is every day. Uh, it is said in the Upanishad that this world is a creation of delight. Raso Vaisaha. We don't experience. We experience pleasure, pain and suffering. Why? Try putting, taking uh, the mighty sea water in a small little lutia, carry it home and say, you know, this is sea water. You see, next day it will not be sea water, but highly contaminated water. <laughs> sea water is to be enjoyed in the sea. Plunge into the sea. This, this creation is so wonderful. It has so many things to... It's full of delight. Look at these stars, the amazing flowers, uh, uh, the fishes, any of them. Just walk into a garden and you'll feel that delight. It's there. It's charm. Children, every child, even a snake's child I have seen and so cute. You almost feel like, you know, holding and saying so cute. <laughs> Children are like that. Why? Because unsullied, pure nature, you know, in its uh, pristine purity. If you are feeling depressed, go take a walk, look at a flower, look at the fishes. But something happens, unfortunately, with human beings because of the ego. So we shrink and shrink and shrink. And the more we shrink, the more we have to see a shrink. Don't mind. <laughs> we have to see a psychiatrist. It's not needed. You need to just open yourself to vastnesses. And if we become vast, we'll experience delight from every side. Everything in this world is wonderful. Because I'm looking at it from my very individual egoistic standpoint, my comforts, my happiness. The moment we want my, it's gone. It's like holding the sunshine in the palm of your hands or holding rainwater in, the, in your hands. It won't. It will slip away. So... Growing to vastness, most importantly, growing to truth, 
when we live a life, now truth is not just about speak truth and live the truth of your being. It will bring delight. doesn't matter. It may not be what people believe it to be. It's your truth. That needs courage. And when you do it, it brings joy, tremendous joy. So truth, vastness and delight, these are the three things that... Uh, of course, the third is rhythm and this all this brings delight. So, a life of truth, a life which is vast, not for narrow gains, narrow aims, small aims, pettinesses, selfishness, meanness. It brings lances into depression, perpetual depression, with anger, frustration, irritability. And the third time is rhythm, the right law of everything. Instead of coercing the world to become what I want it to be. This world should express its own truth. Every child born on earth should bring out its own truth. Not He should not be a copy of me. The world should not be a copy of me. That's a titanic way. The titans want everybody to be just as they are. But the godlike way is let each one discover in their own freedom, their own truth. And life would be wonderful, delightful, harmonious. The beauty it is meant to be and all will be love and peace and tranquility and freedom and joy. Thank you. So any quick questions, 10 minutes we can take. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise we can keep tomorrow as question answers. Because already the secret of happiness is already there. I can see some familiar faces and bye. <laughs> Namaste ji. I think this is a wonderful group. Everyone knows all these things. So, so <laughs> but still, yeah. You will unmute me? How I will reply? No, I muted the speaker. Muted. So. Yes. Or we can. Yes, I think that will be better. So, so we have the question answer session tomorrow, 9 to 9.45, same time. I was going to say same place, <laughs> but now we are in virtual space. <laughs> okay, so we will have the question answer session tomorrow. Please keep the questions ready and that will be much easier. Yes. Yes, good I, morning. I have a question. Yes. Um, is the depression interlinked with our uh, forget or forgiveness to the people from our past life, like from our childhood or okay. maybe from the young age? Yeah. So, uh, is it audible or do I need to unmute or anything? Nothing. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, this is a subject which nowadays is quite coming up that we carry things from the past life. Do we carry something like depression from our past life with people we have forgiven or uh, not forgiven and people who have not forgotten, uh, things like that. But if we go to the core of it, now what really we are carrying from past life, we are surely carrying from a spiritual point of view certain things, but it's not so much the people and the outer events, but the essence of it. That's why I was saying that, you know, it's much better even to face death with a beautiful state inside. Now, sometimes it's true, like things like suicide. Now, it, it can be carried over lives, few lives. Now, why this happens is that states of consciousness which we have not conquered in a certain life, 
It's not about the people. People are just incidents in a vast play. But how we dealt with them. So it's not even that we have to once again encounter those people and forgive them. It is that state of consciousness that we must change. So regardless of, you know, there's obviously some children who... Uh, grow up to be very self-centered children you know whatever you may do because well they have not yet gone uh, the evolution has not taken them beyond a certain limit now they are still uh, in a very you know hardened ego stage and they have to move up the ladder so from a spiritual point of view uh, from an extremely egoistic state which is tamasic to rajasic to sattvic and beyond this is the journey of man what happened in the past life in terms of real incident they are not important because uh, death has, you know, washed it off from a memory. And it's not really necessary to go back to them. I'm referring now to the past life regression therapy where people go back to discover what exactly. After all, what we are going to do, let's put it like this, that somebody ex, uh, uh, there was a trauma. Some people say that, you know, I died of, somebody died of drowning or someone had, uh, you know, deeply insulted and you're very unhappy about it. So you go back, discover who this person was and you forgive. Now this is a, this is a very prolonged way, long way of doing it. Uh, open your heart. It doesn't matter. It's not about one person. It's a state of consciousness. Now if my state of consciousness is narrow, then even if I forgive one person in the past, I'm going to contract the same disease in our present life, isn't it? Because the state of consciousness is not changed. So all these events and circumstances come to help us grow. The moment we start looking at life in that way, that they have come to help us grow, uh, outgrow our smallness, littleness, into the vastness, then there will be no issue. So even in our normal life, we will be given enough circumstances and situations without referring back to the past. The wisdom that governs life itself will create them. Nothing we have left undone, uh, nothing which we have left incomplete will remain incomplete. It will happen. We will meet situations, circumstances, people who will once again trigger certain uh, responses and reactions within us to teach us how to grow vast. So while it is true that we carry tendencies from the past, uh, certainly, most certainly, but we need not go into a past life regression to teach, uh, you know, to correct ourselves. That same wisdom which produce those people and situations will create something similar. It's like, you know, uh, a task which I have not finished. That's what rebirth is about. The unfinished strands of evolution, the unfinished curves of our journey, they come at some point in our life, in a particular life. They may not, all may not come in one life, but they will come and we will have the opportunity to face them in another way. It may not be the same people. It need not be. But if we face it in the true way, then we will evolve. So the focus again shifts back onto the attitudes in our present life. That's what I am trying to say. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. So we meet tomorrow and uh, we'll take question answers tomorrow. Thank you so much.